Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, JBJR, back with another fly episode of Fruit of the Bone Podcast. Uh, today, today, we got a real dope guest. We Actually, this is technically a part two to a way earlier episode that we had a long time ago. A good friend of mine and a co-worker of mine, uh, my girl Maddie from Giant Monster Southern Horizon, she came and did an interview earlier, um, one of the real early episodes within the first 10, I believe. And, um... She didn't have her partner Vinny with her at the time, and uh, even though it was a great story, we always wanted to hear Vinny's side, and uh, lo and behold, we actually have the second half of Giant Monsters Horizon sitting right across from me, my man Vinny. How you doing today, brother? How y'all doing? I'm doing good. Man, thank you so much for coming, man. Yeah, I'm great to be here. Hell yeah, man. Like, yeah, I always wanted to hear your sides, like your stories and everything, man, because Maddie told me a lot about you, and... It was a lot of interesting stuff that I would just love for you to just speak on. Sure. Like, definitely, definitely. So, I definitely love to have you on, man. Like, just as, and you sound like you have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge on stuff. So, I would love to pick your brain on some stuff. All right. Gladly. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, before we get started, you know, um, just want to let everyone know that, you know, brand new listeners to the show, um, the whole point of the podcast is to just give highlights and shine and um, recognition to the three parts of a song that you don't hear too often when you hear like an artist or a band, which are the producer, the engineer, and the DJ. You don't get, those don't get it too much recognition like they did before. It's a little bit of rise, but not in this kind of an outlet where they can speak on themselves, give them stories, advice, wisdom, things of that nature. So this is the whole point there, just to give their side of the story and just speak on them. Just let them speak on whatever they want to as a producer, as a DJ, as an engineer, and just educate the masses on where they're at. So this is the whole point of the show, and again, got my man Vinny here, we're going to do the same thing, so I'm going to ask him the very first question I literally ask everybody, which is, how did you get started in music production in general and composition, from what I understand, and just take us back, like, give us, just give us a story of how that started. Oh man, years go way, way back to 19... 19- 86, 87, oh. somewhere around there. Oh, yeah, wow. You, you're seeing the gray hair on my beard here. <laughs> so literally, too, I'm, I'm 31, so yeah, I'm 87. Oh, it's so, yeah. all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, oh, shit, that's right. Yeah, right when you were born. Oh, you're, can I say? Yeah, yeah, go oh, ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, right, man, oh, right. This is Go ahead, man. Go ahead. All right, then, motherfucker. Anyway, um, <laughs> so it was 1986 or so, and... Um, I, uh, you know, I mean, I always was one of these nerd guys who would hang out with the band kids and everything like that up in New York. And mm-hmm. um, when I was uh, when I was in high school, and I, you know, I always had a, a situation where I wanted to get into music somehow, but that was me at high school. And I always asked other friends of mine, um, you know, to to say, hey, if I if I want to get started with music, what instrument should I should I take up? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people uh, would say to me, well, if you don't know an instrument by now, it's you, you're probably too late to learn. And, oh, that always angered me. But, you know, I had a, I had a music theory teacher um, who uh, said, you know, you're good with math, you're good with computers, let me show you this. I mean, there's, there was a small little annex tiny room about eh, about half the size of what we got here in this studio which by the way is a beautiful studio thank you sir thank you shout out to matt man for like the craftsmanship and just constructing everything over time oh yeah yeah matt has been putting a lot of work here so good so good but uh this this little room was just filled with egg crates all around it and it had a whole bunch of synthesizers and it had you know, at the time, it was the Commodore 64 computer oh, wow. uh, that had the little MIDI interface that uh, you had. Uh, if I could save up 200 bucks, I could get an interface for my Commodore 64 computer to then hook into synthesizers. And from there, it just it just blew my mind away in that, uh, you know, you could take... This is going to sound uh, it, probably not the best thing to say, but you could take... Uh, four years getting your your technique down right on a on a keyboard, mm-hmm. or four seconds to adjust that one note that you needed to adjust. Oh wow! And so with the sequencers and all of that sort of stuff, I just said, you know, I, I just followed down that road, and it's it's been great. And a few little detours here and there, but uh, you know, I gotta say, um, you know, the hooking up of 
synthesizers and sequencers and samplers and eventually to the production, you know, the DAW that we have, uh, you know, you get uh, Pro Tools here and I use, I use Propeller Heads Reason, which nice. I know it seems like a, you know, a lot of people first look at that as some kind of novelty as opposed to a full production machine. But mm -hmm. after they included all the VSTs and I think version nine, I mean, y you can't, you can't laugh at that now. So, right, right, right. but yeah, I've been, I've been at it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, probably, you know, took a few detours in that, like, when I first, um, in 1991, I moved from Long Island, New York, down to Tampa, Florida, um, for a number of years, and, uh, you know, for a little bit, I was, uh, playing keyboards in a biker bar band. Nice. <laughs> things like that, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, we'd do the old Steppenwolf hits and Stan uh, Santana and things like that, and, um... So that was fun, but I don't know, you know, then getting into the club scene that was down in Tampa, Florida, um, you know, we we had a very, um, my wife would call the kind of music, spooky, spooky, stompy, stompy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Madison probably played for you some examples oh, yeah. and things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny because we never, Madison and I never knew each other living in florida because she was down in fort lauderdale i was in tampa uh, but we would actually we have gone to some of the same concerts without even knowing each other oh wow and only met here in st louis you know and then look, said oh look how it works the, yeah the thrill kill cult show over here and the gary newman show over there and just yeah just a few spots we were it was just meant to, it sounded like it was just meant to happen yeah i i think so i really do think so um and then uh you know then at around 1995 it was mm -hmm. uh i put an ad in players magazine which is uh i don't know if there's an equivalent here in st louis i mean i know there's uh we have riverfront times over here mm. uh but players magazine was at the time it was specifically for musicians okay and um you know, you'd find it in your guitar centers or uh, Thoroughbred Music was the name of the store down there. And I just put one uh, that I was a synthesizer player who was looking to uh, start or work with a project in, uh, at the time I called it dark dance music because I had no other no other definition at the time mm. of what it was. And wow. I, um, I got a call. And this was 95. I got a call from a woman by the name of Jen who had a band uh, in 95, well, actually in the early 90s as well, mm. on called the Jenna Torturers. Hmm. It was a uh, it was a metal-based uh, band, you know, heavy metal and everything like that, but they looked to uh, switch into the more industrial sound. Um, and I guess they needed some guy who knew programming left and right as far as, you know, how to get these certain machine kind of sounds from the computers. And well, that, that was me. Mm. Um, and I've, uh, I was with them for a number of years, uh, till, uh, 1998 or so. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and I still, you know, then back, I, I then did a little bit of video editing work for them back in, uh, the early two thousands, uh, before moving up here to St. Louis. And, um, it was a, it was uh, probably one of the biggest learning experiences that I've ever had, uh, in the fact that uh, you know uh, they they were they were kind of up on on the up and up as far as uh, music going. I mean, we got music out to Japan, we got it out to Eastern Europe. We you know we were on Cleopatra Records here in America, and uh, you know you had to bring your A game for that that sort of thing. Hell yeah! Yeah. Oh man, that's like <laughs> so far. That's an excellent origin, man. Yeah, I uh, I'll, I'll be sure to get you some of the some of their music so you kind of absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely, man. So um, currently, so you say you still use Breeze um, as of right now, correct? Yes. And I know Maddie was also telling me I know she uses Ableton. So do you also still do you use mm -hmm. Ableton or do you strictly just use Reason? Yep. What we do is um, we have the two different bits of software for two different reasons uh no pun intended <laughs> um we use reason when we are 
uh, writing music, and we are in that sort of creative headspace because mm-hmm. there's just something about being able to see an analog of your your hardware and be able to hit the tab key and flip it around and see all the wires in the back mm-hmm. and just wire things how you want to. I mean, it used to be. It used to be you'd had to spend $1,000 to get an Akai sampler that you could just pop into your system. And now uh, you get something that's the equivalent of that by clicking a mouse. And so then you would click and click. And, you know, it just it just really just improves the game. Uh, it's, yeah. even, it's even kind of funny because now uh, that we have... Um, sound cards that can do your 96 kilohertz at 48 or 90 uh, or at uh, 24 bit uh, resolution um, they now have extensions that you can download that say okay well you're sick and tired of this smooth sound let's grab this thing that'll take your your sound and run it through a 12-bit converter like the old Akai samplers used to have mm. so you could sound more like those Akai samplers. Mm. So that's, that's like one of the things we love doing with the drums just to kind of crunch them up a little bit is uh, running through, you know, 12-bit reducer. Hmm. So, um... Wow, I kind of got off topic. Hey, no, no, oh no, oh no, dude, no, no. By all means, but no, this is great stuff, man. Like, oh, by all means, I'm glad you're saying that. That's what I'm like. Please keep going. Mm. Like, so, uh, I mean, actually, that's a good segue since we're going to the hardware side. So, um, so what hard? Since I know I've been to a few your live shows, and I see the kind of hardware you guys use. So, what kind of hardware do you use along along with like the Ableton when you guys are like performing and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when we perform, uh, basically there is uh, a laptop that we've got, a PC laptop that is running with a solid-state drive. Okay. Uh, so that this way we don't have to worry about, you know, the head on a disk drive possibly, you know, having some issues. Uh, and then uh, we would then run, okay, on my side I have two, um, and we'll, we'll start there. I have two MIDI controllers and a synthesizer. I have a Alesis, what do they call that? Uh, I think it's a Micron, the Alesis Micron synthesizer that I run usually just for like lead sounds and things like that. It does the whole Pink Floyd, Shine On You Crazy Diamond kind of Moog sound. Nice. Um, and so, you know, that's the, that's a uh, that's a staple. Uh, one of the staples in what we do is I always love having that, that sort of thing because... Uh, you know, going back to my roots, I'm, you know, as I mentioned with the gray hairs on my uh, <laughs> my chin here, uh, you know, bands like uh, Genesis were really what kind of uh, kind of popped me into uh, wanting to do music. I, I remember, uh, oh, is that a truck going by or is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you know, oh, yeah, you know, we can just... edit. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Um, with a, uh, and it's just one of those things where I, I, I use the Micron primarily for those kind of leads, and then I'll have like various string and pad sounds that I use with my other controllers. Uh, and those are just either audio or MIDI that go into uh, a PreSonus Firebox, a tiny little, uh, hmm. okay. it's like uh, two channels in, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, we upgraded. We're not using the Firebox anymore. Uh, we now have this Behringer uh, UHC, I think it's called. Okay. Uh, and it's got four channels of audio going in. Hmm. Uh, and, of course, the USB that goes directly into the laptop from MIDI controllers. So Ableton Live. Now, this is why we use Live okay. um, for, well, Live. Uh, in the fact that, uh, you know, Reason's great for writing and everything like that. But when it comes to actually performing, we do a very intense file that is our live set which includes not only the order of the songs in which they're performed uh, but additional loops that Madison will throw in live um, stutter edits that she can then pop in from like uh, an Akai MIDI controller uh, and then I run two virtual synthesizers and uh, the synthesizer audio from the Alesis all go into the laptop I even have uh, an input for vocals and for guitar 
they all go into the the laptop through the I think it's I think it's called the UHC, the Behringer audio box. It's like okay. four channels in. So everything is going in there Man. for Ableton to then just mangle up and then throw out just a left channel and a right channel for the sound guy. I want to make it as easy as possible for the sound guys because I'm a sound guy myself. So, uh, you know, the more that we could do because we know how to do this stuff. Right. And right. I'm, not, I'm not saying that as a knock to sound guys. I'm saying more that because we're the band. So we're we're used to what, you know, what parts should be loud where. Exactly. And so this way, uh, Madison, I've got complete faith in her to, you know, dial in the appropriate mix as long as we got a monitor feed that's coming back to us. You got it? You got it? What? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> the part. Go ahead. Oh, Go ahead. No worries, no worries. Um, like I said, I've got complete faith in Madison uh, to get the right mix. You know, when when audio is coming back to us, and then I will use, uh, say for example, I'll assign some touch pads on the Alesis controller to turn off things like the vocoder in my voice for that whole robot voice sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, you know, I also have dials to tune in so that this way my guitar, when I'm playing it, it's actually recording, uh, not recording, but playing through a um, amp simulator. So this way Ableton, you know, you could dial in something that's eh, fairly close to a Marshall sound. Uh, it's not going to be as exact as miking up a Marshall amplifier, but uh, you're in a bar. <laughs> and a lot of people, they're... You know, they're, they're not necessarily looking for the subtle nuance when they're in the bar, as long as you've got a good beat and you're hitting them with it. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I, when it comes to the subtleties, yeah, when we're recording an album, I want to be as much, you know, have as much uh, finesse on the album as possible. But when it comes to live, um, I think that just as long as we got everything going uh, and we got a good good rough mix i can kind of vibe out the rest you know by how i play guitar how i sing how i play keys you know it's also great having maddie there because she can handle a lot of the loops and all of that sort of stuff that normally used to fall to me so i can get to have a little bit more fun on stage with the singing and with the guitar and with the keyboards you know Got you, got you. So let me ask you this thing. So uh, kind of even segue since you say you pretty definitely are a sound guy. Um, do you work with sound like in your day job um, as far as that or? No, not not necessarily. The day job, the day job currently I'm, uh, I'm working with uh, a company that does uh, alternative energy. We do, uh, okay. you know, solar panel and panel installations and things like that. And I, gotcha. I'm responsible for a lot of coding for these big giant arrays of batteries and oh, things wow. like that. It's, it's great in that, uh, you know, I love the fact that I can kind of wipe out my carbon footprint by all the work that we're doing around the world in, mm -hmm. in that regard for oh, bringing awesome. new energy. Yeah. It makes me really happy. Um, I've done, you know, I've done the audio thing for a while. I mean, I'll even say that I've done some jingle work in around 2001. Nice. Yeah. Of uh, uh, what companies? Uh, I did some. There's some you'll find for uh, the Sheridan Sand Key down in Florida. I did a little bit of Calypso music for them. Nice. Uh, I've done, yeah, just a number of different little jingles and everything like that. Because I, I will say that uh, before... I'm about to get sort of preachy here or political here, but before <laughs> September 11th, uh, there was a whole great amount of this kind of work that was out there. I mean, a lot of people were starting to really accept the internet as, uh, you know, part of their lives at the time. Um, you know, but then when September 11th hit, oof, everything just kind of fell apart. And, right, right, right. So, you know, how to kind of jump back into the real world there. But, uh, uh, made uh, made a fairly good transition there, and now uh, daytime my computer programming job. Uh, nighttime, um, I am the occasional sound guy that you will find in countless venues around here in St. Louis: the Crack Fox, uh, the Ready Room, Foo Bar. Um, geez, I just about eh, about six or seven different venues I've done. So, like more of like a freelance kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Gotcha. 
So that's what's up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, have you done anything else commercial outside of jingles? Or done anything else commercially uh, in, in your career? With, you know, well, I mean, with uh, with my time with the that band, the Genitorturers, uh, our music was on uh, the PC game True Crime Streets of L.A. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, got. Uh, it's on the. Uh, I think not on the full version, but like on the PC version that has like extended. Uh, amounts of uh, songs in the library or so. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we've also we've been on uh, Cinemax and Playboy After Dark or whatever. Nice. Whatever all that kind of crap is. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm, I'm kind of vanilla myself, but the music is out there, so. Okay. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we've, we've opened up, um, you know, my very first experience uh, with that band was uh, playing for a band, opening for a band called KMFDM uh, way back in the mid-90s. And, um, you know, just uh, I'd say, you know, I mean, I'm on, I think last I counted, I'm at 43 albums that I've had some kind of credit on somewhere. Oh, wow. Now, mind you, you know, it'll be... Um, you know, back in the mid '90s or so, um, there was you know the royalties that would come back would be uh, you know four thousand here or five thousand there, or whatever right. the case may be. Right, right, right. Um, nowadays, I get about fifteen dollars every quarter. <laughs> <laughs> MP3 files and what they do to you. Um, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, I remember, I remember talking to the lead singer at the time, and she she would uh, she would say, okay. So you're gonna get about this much per month, and then, yeah, then it's gonna go down, and then uh, well, by the time it's going down a little, you start a tour, and then that number goes up, and then yeah, that's gonna go down. But then you have the new album, and it, she just showed me this sort of nice gentle wave that happens when it comes to your royalties. And then as soon as MP3 files hit, it was happy birthday to you, and everything <laughs> just the bottom just fell. But but that's okay. I'm resourceful that way. There you go. Yeah. There you go, man. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this. So um, with any uh, instruments like you, uh, what we talked about earlier, um, have you ever thought about learning uh, any kind of like, took any kind of music courses or have taken any music courses in the past or anything like that? Yeah, I have. Uh, I mean, you know, I've done the, um, I've eventually uh, got my fingers a little better with the old Cherney and Hannon technique for piano when I was in college. Uh, so that kind of helped a little bit. Uh, and then there's also, uh, you know, I've had some guitar lessons. I've had drum lessons over the years. Um, and it was just one of those things where I guess I always, uh, number one is that I always knew the kind of sound that I wanted to make wasn't necessarily uh, too much of a, a virtuoso kind of sound, you know, no no uh, sweep picking on the guitar or crazy arpeggios, you know, that my fingers are just plowing through on the keyboards. I mean, um, it was just something that I knew that I could already produce when it came to the equipment. And then as the equipment got better, I got better and it opened up, you know, what I could do. Uh, and now, oof, geez, it's amazing. And now, live, okay, I'm, I'm about to tell you a uh, trick, a super secret trick that I do when it comes to performing live on stage. Hey, go for it, man. Uh, the guitar is tuned into D-A-D-A-A-D. Mm. And that is uh, a slide guitar, open D uh, playing, so that this way... Um, you know, with the slide, it's just as long as you know the chords, just just be rambunctious with it. Get a little crazy, you know, and then um, that's really, to me, I've always loved that kind of southern bluesy kind of playing. But here I am, a Long Island white boy from uh, New York, uh, you know, in, in the middle class in the suburbs. You know, well, what do I know about the blues, you know, <laughs> but it just over the years, um, that that playing um, just really just kind of kind of fit in with what I wanted to do electronically. You know, I always feel that like somewhere in we're missing out with the highly produced electronic side of music and just things that can make it 
really messy and filthy because a lot of music these days is so sterile. Uh, you know, you can quantize your notes perfectly, but there's right. just something about adding elements into it. Like, I am not the best singer. I've had my vocal lessons. I'm not the best singer. Uh, I am I am far... These ham hocks can do a few things on guitar, but uh, and when I say ham hocks, I mean my fingers. I realize <laughs> this is an audio... This is an audio environment here, but these, these ham hocks I call my fingers... Um, you know, they can do a few things on guitar, but they're uh, never going to be Steve Vai or, or Yngwie Malmsteen or any kind of crazy thing like that. So you right. just, you go with what you know. And, there, and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. That's absolutely no. I mean, if you're going for what you know, I mean, you go and you're making damn good use out of it. If, you, if you're making whatever, if you, if you want to call them, it's not even lemons at this point. If you're just taking whatever lemonade you got, you're making like a, a now a huge, nice punch with the shit. Like, why not? You know, why, mm -hmm. I mean, why not? I mean, if you already have the elements there, you know it. Like, that's kind of like why I tell people when, um, and I asked you the main question because have you took any theory with it? Actually, the funny thing is I started my understanding of music with three years of college level music theory before I learned to touch an instrument. I need you. Okay, so you. Okay, so you're. So I need you to go ahead and speak on some stuff for me, just okay, for the good sure, people, just sure. for the good people out there. Yeah. So I'll tell this to anyone that you know don't know music theory, because I used to, I learned it way back when, like back in high school, like really back in elementary school with singing and squiring and high school with like uh, saxophone and shit like that, and I just yep. been picking it up over time. So can you just go ahead and just tell the importance of like learning something like that if you're going to be in this field as a musician, whether it's a producer or a live performer, whatever the case may be? Oh, absolutely. Can, can you just speak on the importance of that for me? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I will tell you that, um, you know, as far as the kind of music that I do, uh, you know, it is still important that whether it's by uh, a guitar and vocal uh, a piano and vocal, or, you know, I sometimes cheat and I'll say drum machine, synth pad, and vocal. Um, as long as you can convey a song in a minimal amount of instrumentation, uh, you're going to have something that people are going to remember. And what I, um, what I mean by remember is you want to get that person who is washing their dishes at the sink to suddenly start humming your song. Exactly. And because, I mean, I tell you, when, when techno first became commercially viable in, say, the early 90s, you know, you had uh, bands like Quadrophonia, I think it was. Well, I did a little extra long there, but <laughs> Quadrophonia, uh, you know, and you can't, it, it's great when you go to the bars on a Saturday night. But then the next morning when you're walking into that record store way back when, you can't necessarily say to the guy, yeah, I mean, it was, um, uh, let me let me hum a little for you. And have the guy just go, oh, that's, that's what you're looking for. Here you go. Um, it, it was it was fun it was energetic but I think one of the main reasons why uh, you, that in particular genre of electronic music really never kind of pushed too far ahead was because they had nothing that you could actually latch on to until like the prodigy came out with uh, the fat of the land uh, produced on uh, Madonna's Maverick label and there, at least, if anything, you could say, oh, the album with the guy with two mohawks on his head. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> You're still not singing it, but, you know, still at least you had something you could you could latch on to. But if you're at the kitchen sink and you're doing dishes, you know, uh, you want to hum a song and be able to say, oh, okay, I want to get this song a little bit later. Now, granted, these days, of course, you got Shazam, mm -hmm. you got MP3s, and uh, Spotify and things like that. Right. Um, which, by the way, were big in Latvia, apparently. Mm. But that's another story. Um, <laughs> but with, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where I find that with music theory um, and, and at least understanding the chord structure and the arrangement and how the melodies flow and the harmonies flowing, 
um, I think you just end up with a viable, a better product. I mean, you could you could push buttons on a drum machine all day. One of the things, one of the one of the other great things about working with Madison is that in the studio, um, I I'm a producer that sometimes tends to go. Um, you know, I, I write my eight bars and I'm happy, like, oh, here, this is this is something that could work. And I can understand, you know, if you, um, you know, if the music calls for it, that's fine. Uh, you know, you, you know, like, say, for example, with hip hop, you can have those eight bars and then you'll mute out this part for this part here. And then you'll mute it, uh, you know, put this in and change the levels altogether on that those eight bars. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I just like the idea of being able to say, okay, here's your A section, here's your B section that sort of marries its sound to the A section, but gives you just something a little bit more. You know, I uh, Madison always, uh, you know, she always says, yeah, we write rock and roll choruses and things, and she's right because sometimes you get to that part, and I just say, okay, you know what? I'm picking up the slide guitar, and I'm just gonna just gun gun it, go for it. And, um, you know, it always seems to kind of work for us. But, yeah, theory, wow, I keep circling back around. No, 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 it's, <laughs> it's great. No, I'm glad you are. I mean, trust me, oh, this is great. Please keep going. Well, theory is just, uh, it's just a way of making a much better product because, um, you know, if you do your, your eight bars and it's a a regular regular old song eventually it's going to tire out people's ears you want to know what you're doing um know the rules so that this way you can kind of break them here and there i agree i agree and you know what and so i bring this up and i'm glad you spoke on it because it's something i bring up with almost every show and anyone who listens to the show, they know I bring this up. And the reason why is because it's, it's kind of like a long-running gag from way back when, uh, one of our previous guests. Uh, but uh, it became something I'm like, you know what? Let me make this a thing that people should know. Because, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, it's something that's a viable part. I mean, me knowing this, like, from back when I used to sing choir when I was younger, for me playing an instrument saxophone back in high school, me producing for, like, since 2005 till now, you know, understanding and knowing all this stuff, you know, did help grow with like my sound, my set, my uh, skill set, all of this. Like over time, it was just at this point, it was just really just getting the dog under control. So once I got that under control, I mean, the sound and the ideas and everything else came natural, like with no problem. Mm-hmm. And so, and, I, and it's all because I had the foundation understood how these chords work, what, how these octaves are going to work, how these notes are going to be placed, how these beats, how these steps are going to be placed, how I'm going to go have this scale run, you know, think like this, it's going to run on the fourth, run on these three fours, it's going to run on the four four, how it's going to run, you know, all these things I had to understand way ahead of time, and I'm glad I did, because it does help, and I know a lot of people, they just go say, oh, I'm going to make beats, and that's cool, and I'm not knocking anyone that does that, Yeah, but if you want a better product, like you said, like a more quality product, Mm-hmm. No matter what genre you're going into, you know what I'm saying? Like, it helps. Yeah. It's going to help you, especially whether you, uh, especially if you're performing live. You know, especially if you're performing live. Oh, yeah. Because you got people like my wife, you know, um, she grew up, you know, in church and grew up and around a lot of sound. She grew up in choir. She, so she hear a lot of stuff. Right. And so, like, she hearing, like, someone, like, on a live performance when their vocals are slightly off, she can tell. Mm-hmm. And she grew up in a gospel room, and you know you really have to have your vocal game right with oh, that. Yeah. So she, so she like no, no matter what genre, she's like they're off. She's like, and I hear her like, Get the, I'm like, and I have to run it back. I'm like, well, damn, she right. You know, yeah. like you know, it's things like, and then I'm like, oh, I can tell. So yeah, I can tell they off by this skill. Like I can tell they were trying to raise the octave, but they're down. Like they're all, they're off key by this much. Like ooh, I'm like. And then I hear like, yeah, even like some live performances of some our favorite artists now. I'm not, you know, because a lot of people don't like, oh, well, such and such, you know, they, they have a lot. It's like, yeah, but if you really want to be honest, on this set, when they performed this song at this time, it was off. I mean, I understand for leeway purposes, but yeah, if you're going to be honest, it's no. You know, it's, it's a lot of things you notice like when you learn when you learn the music theory and it's things that's going to help you out and 
I'm glad and I'm glad more and more people are taking that too hard it seemed like and people already come to the game knowing this especially mm-hmm. if you went to school for it like that's that helps and if even if you didn't go to school for it youtube well it's there yeah like, just learn it just learn it it helps because right now we're at a stage where the software can do any freaking thing it really can you need to adjust your vocals well you got the tools within reason to be able to just drag this little mouse over here and all of a sudden that c sharp becomes the d that you want it to be because it fits within the key of g um and we're at the point right now where we can correct timing we're at the point right now where we can correct pitch we can do all these things and have it sound beautifully now the thing is this is why you have to learn it because everybody out there has got the same damn software that you've got in your back pocket exactly so in order to make you stand out better that or stand out more rather than uh the the other guy who has the same software setup you do is you've got to know what the notes are you've got to know this chord follows this chord you've got to know that there's a reason why you know um like one of my favorites is uh my one of my absolute favorite musicians uh, gary newman you know everybody knows him from that song cars but uh, i will tell you he has continued to make beautiful music and um he's uh you know the, his last two albums um splinter and savage have been life-changing albums for me in the way that they're produced and one of the things that he does musically is he does this thing called uh technically it's called a picardy third okay where you're in a minor key for your song but when you're about to resolve back to the tonic chord the you know whatever your root chord is you're going to turn that into a major chord and just something about it it's it's sort of uh it's um it puts you out of the key for a little bit but in a happier way it actually kind of elevates the mood of the song once you return back so the melody could be uh, you know uh, a minor a c a d minor but when you go back to the a you turn that into an a major and all of a sudden there's this up- uplifting presence in the music and that's one of those things that if you don't know the theory you don't have any understanding of where that is exactly and you might stumble upon the chords by accident uh you know i feel sometimes like a lot of um uh you know once again going back to to my my limited knowledge of hip-hop but there's sampling of chords which is great but uh, you know in that you're taking the 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 chord theory that came before you from the old funk records and things like that for the next boom back trap track track hold on the next boom bap track <laughs> sorry my tongue's a little tied <laughs> um, but uh you know it's great to have that but if you wanted to alter it the only way you're really going to do it is to learn the chords and then learn how to move around those chords right you gotta know how to manipulate the chords to to, to work for you exactly you have to exactly and you know for me like i said going in from the whole prog rock uh sort of thing with a band like genesis where a lot of their music in the mid 80s was just okay let's fire up this drum machine and then let's just hold these chords and the thing is is that the way that they would have their chords you know i mean when since they didn't have a bass player a lot of their bass lines were just one note in a constant rhythm and you learn okay so that's a, you're pedaling a g but your first chord might be a g but while that g is still playing you hit the a major and then a d major while the g is still going on because they have these old moog taurus pedals that as they're playing you know as mike rutherford would play guitar his right foot is just banging out that g note over and over and over again mm-hmm. and it's just something about the understanding of what those different chords do over that pedal tone over that one note uh that i i just think kind of really opened up a lot of things for me musically wow man i've 
I'm Man. just going around the dude. Dude, the like when I, when I tell you, like <laughs> all of this is fantastic. Like I'm enjoying every bit of this conversation. Like I really am. Like I'm taking cool. it. Like I'm like I'm learning stuff. Even I'm learning stuff myself. And I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. I'm like huh? Okay. And then I'm like, I'm just I'm really I know a lot of people feel the same way. So you know, I love when people have like an extensive history and knowledge on stuff like this because education is key. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, however you get it, you know, if you learn it, whether it's formal or informal, if you get educated in it, I'm with it. You know, mm-hmm. that's just kind of where I'm at with it. And because all of that's available on YouTube, I think I think that the product, I think that music is getting to a much better state these days. Technology is blowing up. You can do so many things rhythmically, musically, tonally. Um, and there is just such information that's available to you. Right, right. So you just gotta slap it all together, and you can do great things. That's all you gotta do. I mean, but let's see. All comes back to learning that foundation. Mm-hmm. But it all comes back to learning the foundation. If you know the foundation first, everything else will fall right into place. It's gonna be a lot easier for you down the line. And side note, I want you playing saxophone on a track of mine. <laughs> Man, I ain't played saxophone in about. Shit. <laughs> I literally have not played, man, since I was 18. Oh, well, that's okay. You still have one, right? Oh, uh-uh, no, I gave that Oh, damn. No, 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 no. Like I said, literally, I haven't played literally since I was like 18. Okay. Like, that's the last time I played. I learned it throughout high school, but now I stopped playing with uh, like, maybe like 18, 19. Because uh, when, 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 when I got into music production, like real heavy, and I was like, oh, man. And then next thing you know, it kind of fell off to the wayside with practice here and there. Right, right, but right. It, it, would fall, it would just kind of fall off. But I was like, but I always still been a fan of the saxophone itself. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. just always it just kind of fell off. I just got into this, and then it just became like my niche. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like because I've been a uh, FL head like since since I learned it. Right, right, right. So I've always been an FL studio head since I learned it. So I've been on that program for, and I haven't moved up past like an older version because only because I know this one version, which I have ten. I've stuck with ten mm-hmm. all of these years solely because. I've used other versions. Right. But 10 is like the sweet spot. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to move. But now 20's out now, so I could probably move to 20. But it's just like, <laughs> but 10 is such a sweet spot for me. Like, I just, just didn't want to move on. It gets a, the but, thing is, you know what works best for you. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm all about that. That's why. You know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, for a long amount, a long amount of time, I was using this software called Digital Performer. I heard of it. Yeah, I uh, in 1997 when the Genitortures were first putting out uh, the Sin City album, which was the first release for Cleopatra, and uh, it was it was kind of funny. It was just, um, you know, God, the way we used to do stuff before. Um, and then all of a sudden, yeah, Digital Performer came out and just to be able to cut and paste things and and just get ourselves away from the tape process uh, and so that this way I could lay a guitar track down and then I could repeat and I could do all these crazy sort of things. But, mm. you know, nowadays, I'll be honest, I dropped Digital Performer because it just wasn't keeping up with my needs. Mm. Um, there would be there would be times that because of some incompatibility with a sound card that I had, or one reason or another, I'm just hearing these ticks the, that I hear in digital performance, little kind of noise. And uh, you know, I check my clock settings and I check this over here, and just after a while you just get frustrated and say okay so the idea that i have i'm gonna pull up reason which everybody thought was a toy and i'm gonna get it done and i've been i've been with reason since version one and uh oh, wow. you know oh yeah so you really have been along like a literally a legacy a legacy customer with absolutely you. oh wow absolutely proud to say and i also have to say always buy your software always buy your software yes the main reason being, yeah, sure, I could say because I'm a musician and I love it when royalties come back to me and I take that $15 and I sing, we're in the money, <laughs> and then I get like a sandwich and then it's all gone. Uh, but, <laughs> but mainly for being able to uh, contact them when you have an issue. Exactly. 
I mean that that in itself is is worth its weight in gold. Hell yeah! You have Absolutely. a problem, and I'll and, you know, and I'll say like with uh, Mark of the Unicorn with Digital Performer, uh, we had uh, at the time back in the late '90s we had the appropriate interface because that was a Mark of the Unicorn interface, and then we had the Mark of the Unicorn software. So if the software didn't work with the hardware, well, obviously Mark of the Unicorn, that's the company that we contact and say, you done messed up. So. Uh, nowadays, you know, I have like uh, I have a PreSonus Audio Lab eighteen eighteen VSL. It's like eight analog in, and I guess ten or so. No, eighteen out. If you have the appropriate breakout cable for some Akai stuff that I never use anyway. Uh, but um, the thing is, is that nowadays the software there's just no excuse for the software not to work with your hardware flawlessly and well that's why i kind of jumped over to reason and, was, then, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that man mm -hmm. like actually it's pretty sound logic the way everything how you just explained it, it's pretty sound i mean yeah. if you really think about it i mean why not just buy you know buy the product and then get the help already that you they're going to give to you anyway right. like you know it's like if they just show like oh you bought it oh yeah so you took the time out to buy it and yeah. uh support a product yeah of course <laughs> we're gonna help you out so like that's pretty thank you sense. for putting food on our table yeah. here you go with the answers exactly so. like i so, said yes please keep buying from us <laughs> right like that's, that's it's kind of just the main thing you have to kind of think about it man so no but i agree with you 100 like you know i appreciate really all the information you've been giving us like thus far like Everything that you t said so far and all the knowledge that you dropped just about yourself personally and just education just with like different ways with the theory and just with different software and hardware, how you set up everything, gold. Oh, fantastic. Good gold, man. Like I appreciate, like I am sure anyone that's listening would definitely appreciate that as well. And that's why I definitely like having people, like I said earlier, that has had a actual long standing history with some kind of music and stuff like that. Cause like I said, you can give your true experience and true understanding and wisdom and advice on a lot of stuff and i really appreciate that you did that well thank you truly I, appreciate that you did that i'm i'm always an open book uh you know one thing i know in the future one of the things that uh, madison and i are gonna start tackling with our our stuff is i want to get some of our remix sessions and songwriting sessions uh open and available on twitch tv so this way, I mean, we've uh, we've done it before to help like one one person with a remix, but uh, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to make it more of a publicly open kind of thing. And if anybody has questions that they'd like to, to know, just find us on Facebook, give us a like, and send a send a message. Perfect segue, as a matter of fact, because oh. I was going to actually ask you for the exact information. How oh. can people contact you and tell us about any future projects or things you got going on? Well, I mean, first and foremost, uh, look us up on Facebook under Giant Monsters on the Horizon. Uh, do that, and then eventually, you know, uh, you, you send a message. We respond fairly quickly. Um, we also, let's see, we also have a Patreon page. Uh, for Giant Monsters on the Horizon, I think right now there's a uh, whopping three people to give us $7 a month so far. Nice. Uh, which, you know, hey, $7 is more than $0. Exactly. So, every, one thing I always use, uh, every drop eventually fills the bucket. Exactly. I, so, I agree. Uh, let's see. I know that we've got a Twitter, but we really haven't used it in years. We're going to probably jump back on that trail sometime soon. Um, you know, as far as uh, I know, we have SoundCloud at GMoth Music, but that's a lot of some older uh, B-sides and also RANs that, that we have. Uh, and of course, obviously, the biggest one is just listen to our music. We are available on Spotify. Uh, we are available under iTunes. Just look up Giant Monsters on the Horizon. You'll see my big bald mug and, and Madison's smaller, not bald mug uh, <laughs> right there. And, uh, you know, and uh, we just uh, we just came out with an album called Revolt. And uh, after that, we're actually working on a remix album uh, where we're looking for remixers to be able to take some of our tracks and do odd and unusual things. So far, I've got back uh, a couple of remixes from various different artists, and I've been incredibly happy with every one of them. We're going to 
eventually put that out somewhere at the end of September or early October. And then we've already got tracks working on the next album uh, that I'm probably going to throw you like a demo or two here and some of the background bed music that, uh, nice. you know, so if, if you don't know what the song is after hearing it, you'll say, oh, that's one of the new ones. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. That's what's up, man. So, no, I really appreciate you, man, that's coming through and uh, giving us all this information. And uh, thank you so much again. But um, any final thoughts you want to give to the good people out there? Um, hmm. I think, uh, what was that? What was that old adage I would say that uh, I know that I've heard uh, comedian Kevin Hart say uh, in one of his specials was uh, it's something like, um, Everybody wants to be famous, but no one wants to put in the time. And, you know, I just happen to be lucky in that I've survived as long as I have. So I've effectively put in the time. But it's going to be one of those things where when you first start with music, it's going to be hard. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to have moments where you're going to run around wanting to know where that buzzing 60 cycle hum is on this cable and then realize, oh, the house isn't grounded properly. So if I lay the cable over here, it's going to make that sound. But if I lift it and I put it over here, that sound's going to go away. And you're going to learn these tips and you're going to learn these tricks. Um, Don't let it frustrate you, but forge ahead and do the work. I said it better myself. That's pretty straightforward, man. Pre- hey, pretty straightforward, pretty zen. I agree with you. How's that for something I just pulled out of my ass? <laughs> hey, even so, damn good advice. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But no, Vinny, man, I truly do appreciate you coming on. And thank you so much for just, you know, just giving your story, man. I appreciate it. I truly do. I really, really do. So glad to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. And good people, uh, make sure you catch us, you know, every first Wednesday down at uh, Manchester and Taylor. And oh, before, uh, speaking of which, uh, you definitely got to come to the beat battle one day. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I said, we do it every first Wednesday at Manchester and Taylor at the Monocle. So okay. We, so we do it at the Monocle every first Wednesday of the month. Oh, yeah. That's Mimi's spot. I love Mimi. There you go. I've, I've, I've run sound for her for a number of different projects here and there where she's emceeing over here and emceeing over there sweetheart absolute wonderful people absolutely hell yeah love the crew at the monocle love them but yeah that's what we do every first wednesday man so yeah y'all definitely have to come out and just check it out like i said free of charge for everyone any and anyone to come through and of course you know if you're a producer that's interested yourself included no fresh produce stl.com slash sign up Mm-hmm. And uh, that's also uh, Fresh Produce STL slash Fruit of the Boom is actually where we keep all of our episodes, um, starting from episode one till now. And uh, we also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Mixcloud. Uh, eventually, I'm trying to get us on Spotify. You got to hear back from them, see what's going on with that. But other than that, um, we're everywhere and definitely catch us next time. And uh, I will holler at y'all later. Peace. Peace. <laughs>